Testing, testing. Is this thing on? This is a lockdown special. I want all all the uh, <laughs> all the drawn to the flame listeners to know that I have washed my hands before looking at these cards uh, on a screen. I hope you're all staying safe and well out there. Stay home. Wash your hands. Um, so here we go. This is my first look. Uh, this is Andrea, by the way. Uh, this is my first look at Weaver of the Cosmos cards. This sounds very exciting. Weaver. The, I hope the Weavers of the Cosmos are, are weaving um, PPE for people right now, like little masks and things and, and uh, scrubs bags. That would be good, wouldn't it? Okay, so, well, actually, the first card, she looks like she could be the kind of lady who would do that kind of thing. She is spiritual resolve, and I think we could all do with a little bit of that right now, right? She's got a lovely red dress on. And she's sort of oh, playing with something, but is yeah, it a woman? is it? Oh, oh dear, sorry. Yes, I've just made a complete, <laughs> complete assumption there. Very wrong of me. Sorry, that's a lovely person who has spiritual resolve, um, which I hope we all have a bit of in these tough times. Um, moving on to the next card, Abigail Foreman. Oh, that's a nice name. It's a nice name, and Abigail looks nice. Uh, she is a library intern. Although, sadly, of course, all our libraries are closed at the moment. Um, so um, I hope Abigail is all right at home, working from home. Maybe she's been furloughed from the library. I hope as an intern she was paid. Also, it's going to quite political first look, isn't it? I hope she's being paid as, as all interns should be. Um, but uh, good to see she certainly seems to be socially distancing there in that library. Maybe, maybe she's gone in because it's closed at the moment to sort out the books, bless her. Um, but I... I hope she travelled safely. Next card, the Eye of Truth. Mm. Now this image, this is like, yeah, yeah, what's it called? It's the eye in the triangle, isn't it? The it, Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> well, what it reminds me of, isn't this, I've been meaning to rewatch this recently because it's some anniversary of it, um, Desperately Seeking Susan. Doesn't Desperately Seeking Susan kind of, there's a, there's a whole kind of storyline that revolves around the eye in the pyramid. Isn't it on like a banknote in the States? Sorry, a bill for your American listeners. Maybe your American listeners can, can write in. And, uh, and uh, so anyway, that's the eye of the truth. Truth? I can't even talk proper. The eye of truth. Mm, the eye of truth is watching you guys, making sure you're staying at home during lockdown. Oh, slightly controversial, this one. The next card is Sword Off Shotgun. Not sawn off. Hmm. Frank's doing that kind of emoji where you like this shrug and look, you're not sure what's, what's <laughs> not me. Um, again, maybe the American listeners or indeed people from other parts of the world could write in, you could do a little poll. It, should it be sawed off shotgun or sawn off shotgun? Um, and then you could let FFG know if they've got it wrong and they can change it future packs. I'm just saying that. Don't know why he's carrying one. Bit scary, but I can't see his face. So, you know. He was pretty, pretty canny, that guy, before he got his picture painted for this card. He was like, don't show my face, because I'm carrying a gun. Next card, Joey the Rat Vigil. Oh, interesting. Why is Joey a rat? Has, has he ratted on his neighbours? Were they breaking their lockdown? Did they go out more than once a day? Who knows? He's wearing a rather dandy cap. He looks like he's probably gambling. I am. Joey, saw that out. Next card, Shining <laughs> long word shining trapezohedron Tra trapezohedron is that hedron like a hedron collider oh that's hedron a trapeze as in a trapezoid as in the shape of trapeze not 
flying trapeze, but it is shining. And it is socially isolating from the other trapezedrons. It is a very safe distance from these other rocks, some kind of some kind of rock. Oh, sorry, it says it's actually a relic. It's not even a rock. So uh, I know how it feels. I'm a relic <laughs> of past times, the 80s mainly. That's uh, that's my era. Um, oh, God, it's still going on. Right, next card, mind's eye. Oh, we've already had another eye, and now we have a second eye, and it's your mind's eye. Something which we're all uh, probably kind of relating to a bit at the moment. We're all sort of imagining things in our mind's eye because we can't actually get out and do the stuff maybe that we would be doing normally. So um, it's, it doesn't look like a very... Uh, it's, it's a crazy picture. I mean, it's kind of scary. It's an eye. Um, <laughs> for a second, the next card, I thought its title was Nightmare Bubble. <laughs> um, and it kind of feels like, well, we're in a bit of a nightmare bubble at the moment, right? Right? Or is a nightmare bubble like oh, one of those bubbles when, when you're trying to blow those huge bubbles, but using one of those kind of big sort of shape, those big. Like like circus performing, not circus performing, you know, street performers might use. Um, but it's like one that bursts really quickly and it won't form properly. But I, I digress because its actual title, this card, is Nightmare Bauble. It's a charm, but it's cursed. So it's, yeah, it looks like a kind of, a, yeah, a kind of trinket, a bauble in someone's hand, but also seems to be setting that person's hand on fire. It reminds me of, uh, what's what's the film... Is it in Raiders of the Lost Art where he sort of touches something in his hand or goes kind of melting? Yeah, it's a bit like that. But a bauble. So, not a bubble, a bauble. And finally, oh no! <laughs> I stopped trying to use Frank's mouse and I got there, I thought I was on the last card, I'm not. The penultimate card of my first look is Dream Parasite. That's like a nightmare bauble. I like what they're doing, they're doing this kind of like, oh, it's a bauble, that's really nice. But no, it's a nightmare. And then you're thinking, oh, it's a parasite. That's something really bad. But no, it's a dream parasite. Oh, what would your dream parasite be, Frank? <laughs> My dream parasite is, uh, is the film Parasite. That's a very good film. I checked that one out. So the dream parasite is, uh, it's a weakness. It's a curse. Um, it's a parasite. <laughs> it seems to be almost like a strange kind of, uh, kind of, um, griffin or, or, or phoenix or something of flames that's, uh, uh, that's having a bit of a pop or maybe whispering in the ear of a chap who's fallen asleep. But he seems to have fallen asleep at his desk, uh, maybe because he's been working from home for so long. And finally, a final card in the Weaver of the Cosmos uh, pack that we are looking at today is Scavenging. Um, and this guy has got, he seems to be scavenging some sort of baseball bat. I don't know, he's got, he's covered in a lot of blood. There's a sort of old-fashioned cart that's fallen over behind him scavenging yeah i wouldn't wouldn't really recommend that at the moment probably not a good idea you should be staying at home stay at home and do a scavenger hunt at home or you know or an easter egg hunt if, if uh, that is a time appropriate for when you're listening to this episode um so uh i don't recommend scavenging like this guy and going outside covered in blood and all that and trying to find an old baseball bat um but i do recommend having a little scavenger hunt at home to to amuse yourself um during these tough lockdown quarantine times so uh so that's it that's the end of my first look um i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did (laughs) which was a lot um 
and uh, stay really safe and stay really well and hug your loved ones and keep them close and hug yourself because you're a loved one too. Take care guys, bye! Hello, Frank here. I don't think I need to do much of an introduction because you will have just heard a special end of cycle first look from Andrea. Thanks very much, Andrea. Turned into a little bit of a public service announcement as well, so hope that was appropriate for people. I'd probably reiterate everything that she was suggesting. And I'm going to first look these cards as well. I mean, as far as I can tell, this pack is coming out in June now in the UK, but I know plenty of people have had it, and I... I'm not kind of carrying on regardless, trying to flout how long people are going to wait for this. But also I have this really strong desire to kind of round off the Dream Eaters. We're so close to ending the cycle and just for completeness's sake, seeing these cards and kind of drawing a line under them would be really nice. Even though it's going to be a while before I get them in my collection and play with them. So yeah, I hope people don't mind that. It also means we can talk about them more and everywhere's on the same page. So let's dive in. I've now seen them. This is my second look, really, because I saw them as Andrea was talking about them. So first we have the the Solitary Guardian card in the pack, which is Spiritual Resolve, three cost, five XP, and it has a willpower icon. It's ritual traded, and it takes up the arcane slot. Is that our first Guardian card taking up the arcane slot? We have Blood Eclipse, but that's an event. It might be... Unless I'm forgetting something obvious. What does um, something worth fighting for take up? I think that's slotless. And this is also Myriad. So there are three copies of it. And it costs 5 XP for all three. And 5 XP Myriad is pretty pricey. So let's see what it does. It has a free trigger. Discard a copy of Spiritual Resolve from your hand. Heal all damage and horror from this copy of Spiritual Resolve. Can soak three damage and three horror. Oh, so best case, if I'm getting this right, you've paid an action and three for the first spiritual resolve. You then soak two damage and two horror on it, because if you soak three damage or three horror, it gets discarded. And you then discard the second copy of spiritual resolve and heal that two damage and two horror. And then you discard the third copy and heal another two damage and two horror. So you're healing four damage and four horror from three cards in your deck and then maybe soaking for the last one so another three and three so if if you run it at its ideal level you're getting seven seven out of this which is basically an investigator stat pool for three cost and five xp but you'd have to make sure you do it in that way it also is making me think obviously it doesn't work with direct damage and direct horror bit frustrating and also it doesn't soak for other people so you need to be the one taking the hits who likes that Maybe Tommy, although Tommy doesn't necessarily like healing the cards he has in play because he wants to soak and get ammo out of them, paying three to then get six ammo or six resources is a good value. And I suppose that's why it's at five XP. Maybe Carolyn likes this as well and she can take it because it heals horror and it's guardian level five. Is she capped to guardian level three? No, I think she can go to guardian five. So she would get resources back as she heals the damage and horror from this card. It's a, it's an odd one, isn't it? I wonder if we'll see it sneaking into standalone decks where guardians want something that can help them go the distance. If you're a rich guardian, if you're a Zoe, say, 
Maybe you're happy to just keep playing Spiritual Resolves and just use this as your kind of tanking card. It is a, a huge, beefy tanking card, isn't it? It's true grit and something worth fighting for combined, just without the ability to soak for other people. Yeah, in- intriguing, kind of weird. I've noticed recently I've wanted soak more, and I've often thought about allies in that quite expendable way that they're just soaking. So maybe this would be a really good fit for Guardian decks. Put it in, it's nice soak, and sort of go from there. Maybe the discard ability is just icing on the cake. You're paying three for six soak. It's pretty good. Intriguing, intriguing. Okay, the next card. Now this I've heard about. I heard lots of talk about this being the daisy card of the cycle. I mean, we've seen lots of things that are pretty good daisy cards, but let's take a look. This is Abigail Foreman, the library intern. It's a unique asset, three cost and four XP with intellect and agility icons. Ally and Miskatonic traded. Takes up the ally slot. One health, two sanity, which is pretty much the classic health and sanity for... Seeker allies. I think the only people who don't have that are Research Librarian Malison. Everyone else is one too. Free trigger. Attach a tome asset in your play area to Abigail Foreman or switch a tome asset in your play area with an attached asset. The asset attached to her takes up no hand slots. Limit one attached asset. Reaction. After you resolve an action ability on the attached tome asset, exhaust Abigail Foreman resolve its effects again. Phew wee. Is this our first Seeker XP ally? I think so. And it's a pretty strong effect, I would say. So the first clause is all about kind of juggling your tomes. So you've played Old Book of Law, and then you pay another three in an action to get Abigail down and do the free trigger to put the old book of law on Abigail, or you've then played your Otherworld Codex, so you do the free trigger to put the Codex on Abigail instead of the old book of law for whatever reason. But the really powerful ability there is the reaction, that action abilities on tomes get doubled. It's worth noting it's resolving the effects again, not the costs. So old book of law is just action exhaust old book of law, but you get to do that twice with Abigail you don't have to do the exhausting twice, you just get to do the ability twice. I particularly like it where action abilities have other costs, not just exhaustion, but things like secrets. So I've mentioned Otherworld Codex already. There's also Esoteric Atlas, which allows you to move two spaces. So with Abigail, you can move four. If there's a scenario where you just need to cover a lot of ground, that's potentially super strong. I'm thinking as well of the new old book of law that has secrets and provides a discount. You potentially just say to yourself... Right, well, I'm going to use, I've got my old book of law level three down, I've got Abigail down, I'm just going to hit my deck twice and get two more cards into play. So it becomes this sort of setup engine about spitting out cards, which seems really nice. I, I love the idea as well of the Otherworld Codex, where you can maybe snipe two different cards or it gives you two chances to snipe something if you're worried about the, the encounter deck is quite large. So yeah, I, I think it's a really cool card. I can see it fitting into Daisy, obviously, because you could use Daisy's Tome action and then get it twice without spending any of your main actions. That seems amazing. And I think I like it as well in Mandy, if Mandy is doing Tome-related things, although obviously this competes with Rook. Oh, there's another ally that doesn't have the 1-2 split. He's a 2-2. So you maybe are having Charisma or something like that. What I would say is that Abigail on her own is useless. 
She's just a one-two body for four XP and three cost. She doesn't find you at home. She doesn't have an ability really in play until you've also found a tome. So you're going to... She adds utility to a deck that's already using tomes. I think that's important to acknowledge. It seems like a no-brainer, but, you know, maybe your first 8 XP isn't Abigail. It's the higher level tomes that you really want to do fun things with. And then you add in Abigail for that extra utility. I'm imagining at that point that maybe it is a charisma deck because you're running Research Librarian to find the tomes or maybe Rook. And then you're playing Abigail when your setup is a bit more ready. Old Book of Law gets attached, or the Codex, or the Atlas... I think they're the main three. I mean, Encyclopedia as well. You could use Encyclopedia and give two different investigators a plus two to a stat or give an investigator a plus four for a turn. That's pretty good as well. Worth noting as well, the tomes that you don't want to attach are Dream Diary Upgraded because it's a reaction ability and Occult Lexicon also has no action. So they're they're not includes. But beyond that, yeah. Lots of different options for for tomes. You could even use this. Is it an action to build up the archaic glyphs? I think it is, and I think that's tome traded at level zero. I mean, you could even use Abigail to speed you through the glyphs early on if that's something you're doing. Cool. Okay, next is Eye of Truth. We saw this announced by FFG. It's a 5 XP skill in Seeker. It's spell and practiced traded, and it has four wild icons. Now, because it's spell-traded, that means Marie can take it, and she can take spells 0 to 5. So even though this is a Seeker card, it wouldn't take up one of her 5 Seeker and Survivor cards, I believe. That 4 wild icons, pretty juicy. And what does it read? It reads, if this skill test is on a treachery, and the test is successful, add that treachery to the victory display and attach the Eye of Truth to it. While attached, the Eye of Truth contributes its skill icons to all tests on copies of the attached treachery. Flavor, it's always watching you. I love the art. It's brilliant. It's really four eyes. It's maybe the eyes of truth. Four wild icons and there are four eyes on the art. I like it. Very, very elegant. So somewhat conditional. You need this in hand when you draw a treachery that has a test. You need to then pass that test, although the Eye of Truth is giving you a plus four to it. But you then get to add the treachery to the victory display. So that treachery is out for the rest of the game. And you're giving all future tests against that treachery for all investigators plus four, which is really nice. Obviously, it means that you want the player who has Eye of Truth to hit the tricky treachery, whatever it is, first. Because the last thing you want is for your guardian to faceplant into a horrible treachery and then your rogue to faceplant into it and then finally you draw the treachery that you were hoping to attach Eye of Truth to. However, you can also commit it to other people. It doesn't say commit only to your tests. So as long as the Seeker starts the game or early in the game has Eye of Truth, if you can identify that risky card that you want to target, you can get this fed down straight away early on in the game. Some cards that I thought maybe a good targets. I thought something like Rotting Remains or Grasping Hands could be nice. They're, they're both three ofs. I think Frozen in Fear could be a really nice target as well, because there are occasions when you flub a Frozen in Fear test, and then you need to build up to commit to it again. And then in Dream Eaters, I think there've been some really good targets as well. What I'm thinking of here are the cards Somniphobia and Dreamer's Curse. 
They're ones that are willpower 5 tests, and you can take 3 damage or 3 horror max. Wild Icon's counters double, so Eye of Truth on one of those is a plus 8 for all future tests. And I really like actually how Dreamer's Curse and Somnophobia kind of mix up Rotting Remains and Grasping Hands. All icons count to them, so there's an easy way of committing to pass, but you end up sometimes overcommitting because you're thinking, oh, I've got to get to this five difficulty threshold. I'll throw all these different cards in. And Eye of Truth targeting those would be really nice. I think also in Circle Undone, some of the hexes, having an Eye of Truth on a Bedeviled, say, is really tasty. And I also think maybe having an Eye of Truth on something like Terror in the Night which is a willpower four test, and you really don't want three of those to end up in play and every investigator taking three horror. One way of avoiding that, if you've Eye of Truth one of those tests, one of them's in the victory display out of play, so you're never going to hit that three card threshold, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so I, I like Eye of Truth. I wonder how easy it will be to engineer the situation where you hit that scary treachery early on and it's then in play doing its thing. You know, I'm picturing that really Eye of Truth is three skill cards in one. It's not more than that. You're getting three plus fours over the course of a game. You know, if you don't see copies two and three of the treachery you're scared of, you've given yourself a plus four for one, and that's it. Which, you know, for five XP, would you pay five XP for just a, a one-off plus four? Maybe not. Other thing I'd note as well, I suppose, is that this doesn't help you at all with enemies, unless you're using the plus four to evade or fight, and it doesn't help you at all with treacheries that don't have tests. So this can't remove an ancient evils from the deck for you. It can't remove anything that just has a testless effect, hits you and moves on. So that's also worth bearing in mind that it's a power card, but it's not the answer to everything. But that's good, I think. If it was the answer to everything, we wouldn't have to make any fun deck building decisions. I'm looking forward to trying it. Oh, and it's practiced, so you can find it with Practice Make Perfect. Um, I'm not sure how it would work. Practice Makes Perfect returns the card to your hand after you use it, but this Eye of Truth attaches to the treachery and goes into the victory display. So I don't know if you would actually add the treachery to the victory display, attach Eye of Truth, and then return Eye of Truth to your hand. I'm not sure. That'd be an interesting one to check, but I do know that you could use Practice Makes Perfect to find Eye of Truth if you're like, oh, this is the test I needed to hit, which is cool. The next is our first Rogue card. This was the other announced card. It's Sword Off Shotgun, or Sawn Off Shotgun, if that's how you want to say it. Three cost, another five XP card. Combat and Agility icons, item, weapon, firearm, and illicit traded. It takes up only a single hand slot, contrary to the art. It uses a paltry two ammo, Action, spend an ammo, fight. Instead of its standard damage, this attack deals one damage for each point you succeed by to a minimum of one to a maximum of six. If you fail and would damage another investigator, this attack deals one damage for each point you fail by to a minimum of one to a maximum of six. So if I pass by zero, if I'm evens on the test after resolving it, I still do one damage. But really, I'm looking for this test to pass by three, four, five or even six. This is the most damage in a single action if you can pass by six, which seems berserk. You've probably heard me talking about how much I'm enjoying Succeed by Two at the moment. You couple this with Tony, you throw in a few more cards, maybe you're way over the threshold, and even pulling a four, minus four, minus five isn't going to affect you too much. You still pass, you still do two, three, four damage. 
the challenge, I think, with a low ammo, high XP cost card is maximizing the damage you do with the very few hits. It's not like the bar where you're happy to kind of spend ammo because you've got ammo for days and you've contrabanded it. And even contrabanding this card, paying four for another two ammo, doesn't feel very nice. This card also has so many great combos in Rogue. You can sleight of hand it because it's single-handed, so even if you're being taboo compliant, you can still get it into play. You can use Swift Reload to refill it back to two ammo if you need to. If you're playing in Tony, you can add other Guardian cards to help you with the ammo, like extra ammo. You know, extra ammo pay two for another three ammo on this is super nice. There's one other drawback that's worth noting. This doesn't give you a combat boost. So you've got to rely on the combat boost coming from somewhere else. Unlike high XP Guardian cards that have a really generous combat boost baked in, it's what, plus four for the flamethrower, plus five for the lightning gun? This doesn't have that. So if you run this in Skids or Jenny, you're fighting at a three. You need to have thought of other ways of boosting. Maybe that's simply with hard knocks and a huge pool of resources. Or maybe you've got some other plan for boosting and that's where I think succeed by two comes into its own you throw in a watch this a quick thinking and an all-in that's another plus four if you're Tony you're then at nine if you're skids you're at seven maybe you're adding in something else as well but yeah you just confirm that you can do that I also think this card kind of likes daring maneuver alongside it just as a kind of left field choice Say you pass by two and you really wanted to do three damage with this and you're hugely disappointed, you play a Daring Maneuver and it gives you a plus two. So Daring Maneuver with this card, as long as you're passing, is like a double Vicious Blow or it's like a Vicious Blow level two, which is super juicy. So yeah, Tony seems to be the home for it. It's a great Tony gun. It doesn't compete with the Long Colt. So you can have this in play and the Long Colt and you can kind of toggle how much damage you're doing and things like that and next is joey the rat vigil who would have thought that we would get another joey the rat so this is a real test for what the level zero version was like this is joey the rat level three so gated to rogues it's two cost intellect and agility icons ally and criminal traded three health and two sanity and takes up the ally slot Free trigger, spend on resource, choose an item asset from your hand and play it, paying its cost. And free trigger, discard an item asset from play, gain two resources. Okay, that second ability is definitely new. I'm just comparing it with the level zero version, which has the first clause exactly. Same icons. The other big difference is the cost. Jerry the Rat level zero is four cost, and this is Jerry the Rat two, and it's uh, Jerry the Rat three, and it's two cost. So you've got a two resource discount for an ability to turn item assets into resources, which is okay. And also this spend a resource to choose an item asset in your hand and play it, paying its cost, but not spending you the action. Where's my head going to? Well, you could play a flashlight for three, not spending an action, and when the flashlight is empty, discard it and gain two resources back. If you didn't even want to spend, if you were happy to spend the action to play it, when the flashlight's empty, you just get the money back, which is nice. You could do something with the decorated skull as well, where you pay that, play that for one and then turn it into two resources. You're only making one resource, but if you've gained resources and cards in the meantime, that's kind of nice. 
And then, funnily enough, I am thinking of Tony again for this. You can get your guns into play without spending actions, and when the guns have run out of ammo, you're getting resources back. So even if you're spending one more to pull the long colt out, so you spend four and no actions, you can then get two resources back from that. So net, the long cost long colt has cost you zero actions and one fewer than it would have cost if you'd spent an action and just played it. I like that. I think that's really nice. I think generally if you're playing a deck that's churning through its hand slots where a lot of the items normally are, you can just be sort of rushing through and when the items have run out of ammo, you get a bit of a, a boost back. I'm thinking actually of the Tony deck I'm playing at the moment that runs Derringer, Long Colt, Lupara. It might have something else in its hands as well. And you just zoom through those cards and generally uh, I'm doing <laughs> circles with my hands. There's a churn. You move on with them. The idea that you're gaining resources as you do that, it's almost like Tommy's ability, isn't it? Oh, I'm done with this. I'll pawn it to Joey. Pretty cool. And we're on to our mystic cards. I can see that there are two coming up. The first is the Shining Trapezohedron. It's one cost, four XP, willpower, intellect, and agility icons. It's item and relic traded. And Ursula is relic zero to four, so I think she can take this. It takes up the accessory slot. Reaction, when you would pay the cost of a spell card, exhaust Shining Trapezohedron. Instead, test willpower X, where X is that card's resource cost. If you succeed, its resource cost is considered paid. If you fail, cancel the playing of that card without paying any of its costs, including its action cost. For the remainder of the round, you cannot play copies of that card. Wow. Let me make sure I've got that right. I'm about to play Mists, which costs two. Instead, I test Willpower 2. If I pass, the resource cost is considered paid. The action is still played, but it's just a free action. So if I was broke, I can get away with not paying anything. If I fail, I don't get to play the card. I don't lose the action. That's not That's been cancelled as well. But I can't play copies of that card for the remainder of the round. So if I was desperate to put Mists into play to get away from an enemy, I'm kind of scuppered. This feels like a very strange 4xp economy card. In theory, you could be using this every turn and just not spending resources. I think it combines nicely with the new spell event suite that are all two cost, which means that most mystics are two or three up on the test. It is adding the risk of a test to pay, pay for your cards in place of just the certainty of I have the resources and playing them. And what are you spending your resources on then? How much? How many resources do you want to save with the Shining Trapezohedron to make that worthwhile? Poor, kind of head-scratcher, right? I feel like I just would have to get it into play and, and try it out and kind of get my head around it. Seems really weird. I can see it have potential for saving you loads of resources. But then what are you spending on those resources that you're saving on? Maybe you just run a really resource-intensive deck and the Shining Trapezohedron just keeps you fueled. Maybe you're doing stuff with the willpower tests as well. You're using uh, Fearless to heal, or... Mm, can't think. Maybe you're chucking Guts into the test, so you're drawing more cards. I don't... I'm not... I'm not setting my own... I'm not... I'm not feeling that particularly. But I'm just... I'm just wondering. 
It's intriguing to me. Mystic economy is a strange beast anyway, with forbidden knowledge, sacrifice, uncaged the soul. Often it kind of works in strange ways. I could see this being good. I must say, I have struggled in a recent deck to have the money I needed, and it was an Akachi deck, so she might like just getting all of her spells into play for cheap. Kind of cool. Maybe worth thinking about in that deck. Yeah, intriguing to me. Really intriguing. Maybe you're just saving the resources to fire axes Agnes or to pay for other things, Meat Cleaver or Big Man on Campus. It just takes the place of your cash. And if you then, over the course of a game, make more than three resources off it, you've done better than cash. But you have paid four XP and a resource, so you'd really want to make five or six. Yeah, over a couple of turns, if I get to play a Rite of Seeking and pass the Willpower 4 or 5 test, and play a Shriveling and pass the Willpower 3 test. Saving 7 resources is really nice. Maybe it's just a way that we think about the game, that generating resources feels worthwhile, but saving resources is like, well, I would have paid them anyway, so it's harder to conceptualise, maybe. Okay, the next card is Mind's Eye. It's 3 cost and 2 XP, it's an asset. I think the art on this is amazing. Pavel Kolomonets hasn't done much art, I think, before this cycle, I think. And I really like Pavel's work. I think it's really impressive. Love the colour design. I could imagine this as a playmat. It would be really cool. One willpower icon. It's ritual traded. It's our first double arcane slot uh, card. It's myriad as well, so three copies for two XP, and it uses three secrets. Reaction, when you would test your intellect, combat, or agility, spend a secret, test your willpower instead, and free trigger, discard a copy of Mind's Eye from your hand, place two secrets on this copy of Mind's Eye. Ah, okay. So copy one, you pay three, you get three secrets, and then copies two and three, you kind of get through to just give you more secrets on this. It means that if you're leaning into that willpower testing style for three cost, you can guarantee on any tricky tests that you get to use your willpower instead of the other three stats. I really like that. The downside? Double arcane slot. So if you've lent into, yeah, I'm going to do all willpower, only playing one other spell, unless you're playing both copies of Sign Magic or a Book of Shadows to get other spell slots just to play your normal spells. At that point, your spell setup becomes really intensive because you're playing two Sign Magics, each costs three resources, and a Mind's Eye, another three resources, and then what other spells you're running if you're running spell assets. So you're going to need some kind of economy like the Shining Trapezohedron. Maybe. Huh. What's the combination with Mind's Eye and Empower Self, or are they working in complete opposites? Empower Self is when you would resolve a willpower test that's replacing something, don't make it willpower. So you wouldn't want to use a secret on this to then take yourself back to willpower. I think they're just nombos. I think because they've come in this same cycle, I'm wondering if there's some kind of combination. They're both three costs, they're both myriad, but I don't think there is. The other thing is that this is two cost. Does someone like Seth like this? That she can play this in her arcane slots, mostly play an agility Seth, and then also 
whenever she's like trying to get clues, she's essentially giving herself a plus two for intellect tests. And if she needs to do combat tests, she can also be a four for combat with this. So then she wouldn't be using spells. It would mostly be an agility build. But then she'd also bake in this option that when she hits an intellect or combat test, she can turn that into willpower. I mean, she could do the spell thing as well. She might be the one who has the resources to afford it. A couple of sign magic, a, a shriveling and a sixth cent, something like that. She might be a worth a look for this, I think. But also, I think any main class mystic that just really doesn't want that horrible, oh, it's an agility test, I'm, I'm stuck. Maybe you don't want to be cancelling or you don't have cancellation in hand. You can go to willpower instead. And we're on to survivors. There are two survivor cards. The first is the Nightmare Bubble or Bauble. It's one cost and three XP. It's an asset. It has willpower and wild icons. It's item charm and cursed. And it takes up the accessory slot. Limit one per deck. Forced. After Nightmare Bauble enters play, search your bonded cards for three copies of Dream Parasite and attach them to Nightmare Bauble. When Nightmare Bauble leaves play, set each attached Dream Parasite aside out of play. So this comes into play, three Dream Parasites on it. Reaction, when you reveal an auto-fail Chaos token, shuffle an attached Dream Parasite into your deck and cancel that token. So you get three auto-fail cancels for one cost and three XP. So far, very game. A little bit tricky to find this because it's limit one per deck, but once you get it in play, it's only one cost to play it. Quite a lot of competition for the accessory slot in Survivor now, but paying one to cancel three auto-fails? Kind of nice. Combines really nicely with Stroke of Luck, right? You commit Stroke of Luck. If you draw an auto-fail, you can't exile Stroke of Luck, but you'd cancel the auto-fail anyway with the bauble. And if you don't draw the auto-fail, you can Stroke of Luck and pass. So what does the Dream Parasite do? So you're only shuffling these in if you're cancelling auto-fails. It's a skill card, it's a weakness, and it has two wild icons. It's curse-traded, bonded to the bauble. While Dream Parasite is in your hand, you must commit it to the next skill test you perform, if able. This skill's icons subtract from your skill value instead of adding to it. And if this skill test fails, take a damage and take a horror. Okay, a little bit like Dreams of the Deep. The difference being you can't get rid of Dreams of the Deep unless you succeed. This is just your next test is a minus two and you're taking a damage and a horror if you fail. Once it's in hand, what's nasty about it is you're forced to commit it. So if you draw this in upkeep and the following turn you get hit by a test in Mythos, the kind of test that you would normally flub as a survivor because you don't mind failing... This is then essentially guaranteeing the flub and is damaging and horroring you as a result. Calvin might not mind that if it's boosting his stats, but I can also see a late game Calvin being terrified of a dream parasite. Your stats would be good, but you really don't want any more damage and horror at that point. I can see this being nastier than it looks generally. The times when you really don't want to suddenly be getting weaker at skill tests later in the game and Obviously, the more auto-fails you've cancelled, the more likely you are to see Dream Parasites. Also worth noting that once you've cancelled three tentacle tokens, you've shuffled three Dream Parasites into your deck, 
The dream parasites are then still there. They're not removed from the game after you commit them to tests. So if you loop your deck, you see them all again. But the Nightmare Bauble is sitting in play, empty, not doing anything. So at that point, you probably need a way of getting rid of the Nightmare Bauble. Either having another accessory to play over that slot, or maybe some way of discarding it or something like that. Yeah, cool card. I was thinking about Patrice, actually, as we were going through. She's probably the most likely to see it. And yeah, but she really doesn't like the Dream Parasite. Although, oh yeah, if it's in hand, you must commit the Dream Parasite. I was just thinking, could you use Cornered to discard it and get a plus two instead? But because it's you must commit it if able, I think you can't choose to discard it for plus two instead of committing it for minus two. Yeah, intriguing. I like it. That's a cool card. And finally, it's scavenging level two. So we've seen Joey and scavenging both get higher level versions. This is one cost like the original scavenging. It's gained an intellect icon, so it's now two intellect icons. It's a talent and it has reaction after you successfully investigate by two or more exhaust scavenging. Choose an item card in your discard pile and either add it to your hand or play it, paying its cost. It used to just be add it to your hand. Now you can get items from your discard pile straight back into play. So if you've discarded that flashlight, you scavenge. If you can succeed by two or more, back into play that card goes. This is only as good as the other items in your deck, obviously. Depends what they are. It could be that you're using this in min and you need one of the segments of orange. You've somehow committed it or it's been discarded. So you'd investigate and then get to pull that item straight back into play and it would only cost you one to play it. That seems all right. I think if you're doing anything around pulling back shovels and lanterns, saving the action to replay it is really good, because obviously they're very action-intensive for getting auto-clues and auto-damage, and you may be sort of rushing through that. Survivors are probably going to find it harder to successfully investigate by two or more than most classes, because they often like to get clues through cheats or through lucky ways lucky helps something like winging it to drop the shroud feels really nice lantern as well drops the shroud or newspaper giving you a boost seems good as well yeah i think it's good has it made scavenging more playable it's the two or more that really worries me with that i suppose the other option is say lock picks in wendy where you're going to be investigating at seven maybe eight or nine if you boosted your agility at that point, you're getting cards back. And even if you're just replaying Leather Coats and Keepsakes, you're playing them for free then, and your investigations are giving you more actions because you get to play the cards. That seems pretty good. Yeah. You could even do the weird Wendy's Amulet thing where you're committing it and then getting it back and committing it again. That's a possibility. So that's Weaver of the Cosmos. That's the end of the cycle. My overall thoughts, I've really enjoyed the player cards in this cycle. It's felt like there are fewer, I think understandably because of Myriad and some bonded cards. And I actually think I like that, that there's a sort of tightness of the design and there's only maybe, you know, three or four choices for a faction rather than seven or eight, which can get a bit overwhelming. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. This pack, Scavenging is kind of an interesting card. The Nightmare Bauble seems a high risk, high reward. Mind's Eye, I think, is maybe the sleeper hit here really intriguing. The trapezohedron needs a test run. Joey the Rat and the Sawn-Off Shotgun in a Tony gun deck could be really cool. 
Eye of Truth, four wild icons, what's not to like? And then, yeah, Abigail and Spiritual Resolve. They were fun cards to start the pack with as well, actually. And we've seen, what, three Myriad cards in this pack? Very nice. So that's the end of the Dream Eaters. We'll be trying to do some kind of wrap-up episode about the Dream Eaters. I hope everyone is staying safe and well. Stay positive. Obviously, let me know about first looks if there's more you'd like to hear or there's things that you think are really important I didn't say. We're on Drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com and we're around the place that's Drawn to the Flame as well. Thank you again to our patrons who support the cast. Really, really appreciate it. It's been really important to us. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.